Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. This podcast is all about helping you experience the abundant life that Jesus promised. This is the goal of The Gathering, but it's also the goal of the latest ministry to be launching at The Gathering, and that's Impact. This is an old ministry, depending on how you look at it. Now, many of you have heard about Impact before, and there's a lot of stories, even myths, surrounding Impact. This is partly due to its rich history stretching back decades, starting as the Horizon School of Evangelism, relaunching as Impact 195 under George and then Scott Wessel's leadership, and taking a short break for the last few years. Well, Impact launches again in January, and applications just opened. To commemorate and honor the relaunching of Impact, over the next 100 days, we are diving deep on the power of Impact to create 100 Xers. If you don't know what that means, go read Mark 4.20. Impact is a powerful ministry that has transformed thousands of people and created 10 times more amazing testimonies and stories around God's faithfulness to make this a ministry of impact, both in the lives of the people who have gone through and in the kingdom of God where those people go to serve. We are kicking off this 100 Days of Impact testimonies and stories with a two-part episode with Peter and Becky Freeberg, whose story goes beyond impact, but whose story is intertwined with impact in an amazing way. Alana Sullivan is your host for this two-part episode, and we go to her interview with Becky and Peter now. I hope you enjoy. I'm here with Becky and Peter Freeberg. Maybe you could introduce yourselves. How do you know the church? How long have you been involved? And what's your role? You want to go first? No, I think you should go first (laughs) because you have a little more of an official capacity with the church. Awesome. Okay. I have been with The Gathering since the start, four years ago when we launched at a mobile site where we set up and tear down every Sunday um, in the capacity of children's ministry. I'm leading that in the past year, doing some communications type work. So that's been fun. But yeah, since the beginning. And you are one of our salaried employees. I am. Yes, I am. Very cool. Peter? I don't have an official capacity. I help out with broadcasting the live stream, but I'll help out just pretty much wherever. If I can, if I see a need, I'll try to help out. And how long have you two been married? 23 years. Wow. I was waiting to see if he. I wasn't expecting that long. (laughs) That's a long time. It is. You know what that means? What does that mean? mean You look young. (laughs) It means we're old. (laughs) Both. You both went through impact Mm -hmm. um, at different times and different capacities. You were at different walks with with God. So maybe, Becky, you could talk about, since you went through it first, you could talk about where you were when you decided to go through impact, why you decided to go through impact, and maybe mention what impact is just as a really brief intro. Absolutely. It is a discipleship school. It takes about a year, and it's intense of digging into God's Word, spending time with the Lord, amazing community. Yeah, there's so many great things about this discipleship school. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to sharing the story. And it's been fun to reflect on those years because we're really on way on the other side of them now. But to go back and to see what God during, did during those years has been a fun time of reflection this week. So yep. I'm excited to share. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So prior to Impact, as Peter said, we've been married 23 years, and this is quite a few years ago. Um, so we've been married a decade or so at that point. We have two children. At the time, they were young, elementary school-age children. I was on staff at a church, and I had just I was deep in ministry, deep in ministry, doing all the things, and 
I felt this, I didn't feel it. Someone came to me and said, Hey, I think you should go to this discipleship school. Hmm. And I said, you know what? That's, that's a great idea. I really need some tools and some resource resources to help my church. In my opinion, it was a, it was a dying church. I love that church. I'm going to, I'm going to help save it. I'm going to help save this church. And so I'm going to go to impact and get all these tools and resources. And it's going to be great. It's going to help me in ministry. And so that is where I was prior to impact. And that's what led me to going to impact. So you used it as at least initially as like a training to get better at your job. Totally. Okay. I love, yes. Yes. Okay. And maybe where was your relationship, uh, your marriage when you started? That's a great question. You want me to take it? You start. Okay. All right. So yeah, about 10 years in, we never had a bad marriage up to that point, but I would get caught up in what I believe to be machismo where protecting her from thoughts I was having or just not being open with my feelings. And that led to a compartmentalization, which led to a lack of intimacy in a emotional sense, which manifested itself into a lack of intimacy every other which way. And so our marriage had gotten very dry Mm. and we liked each other, but We didn't know how to have fun together. We actually saw George as a marriage counselor prior to the crap really hitting the fan later. And he goes, you guys are like roommates who don't never have fun together. And yeah, so it was like, it wasn't that we at that point had a terrible relationship. We just didn't do anything together other than parenting these two children that we had together. And we didn't know how to have fun. We didn't know. I didn't know how to communicate with her. You were just co-parenting. Yeah. Yep. Living together and co-parenting. Yep. Yeah. And I was at this place where I would just fill my schedule though. And so I would just go and do my own thing, serving in every ministry, traveling with the cheerleading team that I was coaching at the time. And so I was just super busy and I was just happy to fill my schedule mm-hmm. um, and didn't even see what was happening in the marriage at that point. So. It was that you were using it as an escape, but not Possibly, realizing. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah. So your marriage was, you were surviving, you were married mm-hmm. and maybe not fully realizing what was actually happening, but surviving, tracking on. So Becky, you started Impact. Maybe tell us what Impact was like for you. Sure. So I mentioned that I went there for a certain reason, to get tools and resources and to grow in ministry. And God had a completely different plan. And I knew within the first week that this was going to be something different. And I was scared of that. I was, I don't like being vulnerable. It's scary. And But I chose to lean in and, and push on and just take it for what it was and ride the journey out. What was a vulnerable moment for you that you remember? Oh, man. The, the interview on the way in, and I'm sharing all these things, and the person interviewing me mentioned, wow, you sound really angry. And I was like, what? And I just broke down. I just broke down. I don't even know why at that point. It was God was starting that work already mm. of breaking that that hard shell that I had. We do a trip called Wilderness, and it involves camping, and I am not a camper. And there's no Diet Coke on this trip. And so it was a very hard, it was a very hard trip. I had a couple of panic attacks in the tents and things like that. But yeah, I just really shook my cup Mm -hmm. and the stuff that God was bringing out. And I was realizing that my life had been what I call a check the box life. Mm. Born and raised in the church, Mm -hmm. you know, good girl. Met Jesus when I was eight years old, gave my heart to him, but then continued to live that check box life. You go to school and get kind of good grades graduate high school, go to college, get the job, get married, have two kids, 18 months apart, like literally check the box. Kind of works-based. 
works-based. Yeah, and that really resonates with me because mm. I, I like to work mm-hmm. and I like to see results. And, and um, you're a high achiever. And mm-hmm. there's that. And so just having that check-the-box lifestyle, really, that was my relationship with the Lord, too. It was like, I'm a good girl. I'm doing all the good things. I haven't done any of the bad things. Mm-hmm. My wild days in college were rollerblading and rolled tacos at midnight. That's That was my wild days. God really started to work on my heart. And he's like, hey, what is this relationship between you and me? Let's talk about this. And he really softened my heart. And I just had this desire to grow closer to him in a way that I never had before. Like I'd never experienced that. And so it really rocks your world. You're like, wow, what what is going on? It was amazing. So what about... Going through impact brought you closer to God. The trips, the community, the tools of doing devotional time and how to journal. I didn't do those type of things of really studying the word for yourself. Community was a big one. I had strong community at my home church. I've been raised in the church. So I'm very familiar with strong community, but this was different. I remember the first week of vision week, as we called it back then, and people would come up and they'd be, hey, can I pray for you? And I'd be like, yeah, that'd be great. And they put their hand on me and prayed right then. I'm like, whoa. Like, <laughs> usually in my context growing up, that meant I'm going to go and pray for you later. Pray for you later. I might <laughs> forget, but I'm going to tell you that I'll pray for you. Right? Like, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, like, did it right there on the spot. And to me, that was a little bit unnerving. Mm-hmm. But I got used to the point where literally this morning I did that with somebody in the parking lot of Starbucks. Like, it's now part of who I am and what I can do because of the tools I learned and just that being the culture. It's pretty powerful when someone just prays for you on the spot. It's meaningful because they care enough about you to be vulnerable with you mm-hmm. and to actually like talk to God right in that moment, like to wish for your best. Yeah. There's something that, that bonding when you're praying with somebody. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what the spirit does during that. So Peter, what was your experience of Becky going through impact? It's, it was weird because I saw what she was doing and I knew that it was good and I knew that God was in it. And at this point, it was about the point where I decided, we're getting a divorce. She just doesn't know it yet. I could see what she was going through, and I was like, that's impressive, and it scares the crap out of me, because mm. I, I want no part of that. So it was scary to you because why? Because I knew, I, I grew up in the church, I mean, back up, I grew up in the church, my dad was a preacher, um, I've never not believed in God, but as the Bible says, even the demons believed, I never lived it, I didn't know how to have a relationship with God despite growing up in that, and so watching her develop this radical relationship with God was impressive and unnerving as somebody who was in the process of going very sideways you didn't want to be pulled into the into the light i wanted to go have my fun i wanted to i wanted this lifestyle that i had pictured in my head and she was somewhat in the way and then here's god doing a really incredible thing in her that i recognized it was god mm-hmm. and yet at the same time i'm like i know that's right because I've lived too close to right my whole life, but I want no part of it. And what does that say about me also? There are numerous times I could go to church and I'd feel the Holy Spirit going, you need to stop what you're doing. You need to tell Becky. And I'd be like, yeah, I need to stop what I'm doing, but I ain't telling her. And I'll get to that mm-hmm. stuff later. But Too vulnerable, too much fear. Too much fear. Mm-hmm. 
for me, after God worked on my heart with the relationship between me and him, God then brought me close and said, let's talk about the marriage. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Because I was the point, you give me one more reason and I'm gone. Because we've gone through this cycle in our marriage of I would discover behaviors that he was doing, and then he would repent and be like, I'm never going to do that again. But then it would always happen again. And so I was at the point where I'm like, you know what? If he's going to be one more reason, I'm out of here. But God mm-hmm. does what he does in someone's heart, and he really softened my heart. And he, I just wanted to serve my family and serve my husband in a way that I never had before. Because I had been so busy our entire marriage, even like raising the kids, I'm busy with things outside of the family. And I was ready to really serve my family like never before. And through wise counsel, I ended up leaving every position I held at the time. I had several different positions, one on staff at a church, group fitness instructor, things like that. And I left everything. And I just wanted to serve serve my family and serve God in that way. And so that's where I was after the fir- just the first term of impact. I would start more communication and moving in that direction, but he had already gone down a dark path. I didn't know how far he had gone down that path. Yeah. As she hit, as she hinted at, I had gotten into pornography pretty heavy and was doing online chatting and stuff like that with other women and whatnot. At a certain point, I just kind of said, screw it. And ended up actually stepping outside marriage and had a series of affairs. The first one happened like right about the same time where she started impact. Mm. And I didn't know about any of it. Of course I didn't know until later. later. Yeah. Did you have your inklings that was happening or was it? No, did- I didn't know it gone that far. Okay. I knew there was the pornography issue, the chatting a little bit, but I, I never, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Mm-mm. So how did Mm-mm. this all come to light? That's a great question, Alana. I was arrested in May of 2010. So this was right as she was getting ready to graduate from Impact, literally the same week. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I finished that term. <laughs> Technically two days she missed. Yeah, George, George is withholding the certificate. No, I'm kidding. So yeah, so I was arrested, and in the process in, of my arrest, the affairs were also came to light. I mean, I was in the process of admitting them, but when she was agreeing to bond me out or bail me out, the the prosecution was aware of them, and prosecution never likes to have somebody who's to be bonded out. They'll get a lighter sentence if they're out, and so they like to keep people incarcerated if even while the trial is pending. And so they were going to say, Hey, she doesn't even know about these affairs. And so she was going to make them public. And so my attorney actually had to tell her to some extent. And then upon getting out, I had to reveal a lot more of the details for two weeks. I didn't know the whole story. It was about two weeks. Well, it was, it was a constant, almost like a drip, like a little bit more, a little bit more, a little little more more things would come to light. And then it was crazy. The Holy spirit would give me questions to ask specifics. Mm. The process of disclosure can be a long one sometimes when you have so much there. But I remember the morning of his arrest, I'm going to share this piece of the story because it's really cool. That morning I woke up, it was a normal day. It was normal. I was going to go to impact and take the kids to school, go to impact. And I was doing a pray for your husband planned, a mentor had given me from Impact. And that morning, the prayer was something to this extent. Lord, I pray for my husband. I pray that he'll be quick to agree with you in his sin and be humble or Mm -hmm. something like that. And then two hours later, there's a knock on the door from Homeland Security. And you're like, what is going on? I had no idea what was going on. And I got the boys out of the house. My parents live next door, which by God's grace. And so I was able to take them over to my parents' house. And then 
things would start unfolding. And then we walked into that process of the two week of bringing him home where I can get the whole story of what happened. How did you take that news when you heard from the, it was, this was a whole big thing. You had agents in your home, your husband was arrested. You heard these stories of infidelity from the lawyer and then later from your husband. Like how did, I guess, how did you process all of this? The morning of the arrest, you're in shock, but I had this crazy peace. Like I knew exactly, I knew that God was working, that he was getting a hold of my husband and getting his attention. And so I had this piece. I think the in, the officers, they had asked me some questions. I think they thought I was a little bit crazy because I was talking about <laughs> Jesus and almost excited in a weird kind of way. Because you knew something was happening. I knew something was happening. I didn't know exactly what at the time, but there was this chaos all around. They're going through the house. They're taking everything apart. They're searching the house. And I just have this piece about me. Of course, two weeks later when he comes home, that whole process of getting him out, it's very intense, courtrooms, prosecutors, it's all. Can I ask, did you consider not bailing him out? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. I did. (laughs) (laughs) She was. I thought maybe. (laughs) She was, she was on the fence. I remember now. She was on the fence and then various family members were pushing forwards it and various family members were pushing against it. Mm -hmm. And then literally we agreed to everything in the courtroom I think it was a Tuesday, and then I didn't actually get released until Thursday. And part of it was because there was one more push to, no, don't let him out. Don't tie yourself to that. And so the the last final signatures took a little longer than maybe they could have. Yeah, Yeah. I remember being – I went to Disneyland. My parents had taken the kids out of town. I met them at Disneyland, and it was so surreal being at Disneyland when your husband's in prison and you're on the phone talking about lawyers, I was ready to just let him have a public defender. He's going to have a public defender. We don't have the money for a lawyer, but his family called and and they're like, we have the resources. We want to hire a lawyer. His sister had found a good one in our area. And so I was like, okay, if that's what you guys feel like we need to do. Mm -hmm. And so at that point we had the lawyer and then we went from there. Peter, where are you as you're processing all of this? Did it come as a complete shock? No. I mean, when you're doing wrong, the possibility is there. You naively think it won't happen to me. Mm-hmm. But no, i shocked that it, that I got caught. Shocked that this is now my reality. Shocked that is this really what my life has descended into? So you kind of knew that Becky was toying with not bailing you out. Were you like, I don't blame her? Or were you like... No, I... When I was first arrested, I felt very panicky. Mm-hmm. That first, when I was first put in jail for pretrial st- status, those first two weeks were incredibly difficult, incredibly stressful, incredibly panicky. And then when I actually served my sentence later, which we'll get into that part of the story a little bit later, but it was a completely different experience. And part of it was because of what God had been doing in the in-between time. But part of it's also having a little bit of experience with what what prison, what jail is. Those first two weeks, yeah, it was everything felt chaotic. Things that you know, you felt like you had a certain deadline, and maybe you misheard the judge on on what day of the week it was, and like you're going to see the guards. Hey, how come I'm not on the call out for court for Tuesday? And you're just not. Things that are seemingly a minor detail, you're holding on to, mm-hmm. almost like your life depends upon it, mm-hmm. and, and you have just, no power, and over you have that. no power. You go when they tell you to go. You're in a cell with two other people that you don't know for 23 hours a day or 22 hours a day. Or So once you got back home and you two were living in the same house? Well, yeah. let me let me back up. Yeah. I mentioned growing up in the church and whatnot. 
at a very young age, I don't, I don't remember the exact experience, but at a very young age, teenage years, I remember feeling like God was calling me into the ministry. And my dad was a pastor, and I wanted nothing to do with being in the ministry. I didn't want to be a pastor. My parents made pretty good money later, but when I was in home, they made next to nothing on the edge of poverty, if you will. Never missed a meal, but didn't have any of the finer things in life. I remember noticing the name brand everybody else was wearing and I wasn't mm-hmm. wearing and stuff like that. And so I was very mad at my parents. And I so I wanted nothing to do with that. No, I'm going to go make money. I don't want, I'm not going to be a pastor. Pastors don't make money. So when I was arrested, I remember just thinking, God, if I haven't screwed this thing up too bad, if you still want to use me, I'm yours to use. You were ready. Were you, were you ready to repair your marriage? I was. I was absolutely ready to repair it, but I also knew that there was a whole lot that was going to still be that she needed to find out about. Because mm-hmm. at that point, she hadn't found out. Mm-hmm. And finding that out, she might change her mind. So, Did you walk into that in faith or fear? Probably more fear than faith. But every once in a while, I'd have these glimpses of what God was doing in our lives and how he's going to share it. And I would just go, no, if God is going to use this, it doesn't make sense for him to do X, Y, Z. It only makes sense for him to help keep us together. And mm-hmm. so that would give me a little bit of courage. But maybe that more came later than at that time. So as Peter is spending this time in, in jail at the time and getting prepared to bond out, I really leaned into the community. And there were people on all sides of what I should do. You should leave them. You should stay. But I definitely had community support from my discipleship school friends and my home church as well, that when it was time to write letters to bond Peter out, they were all more than willing to do so Mm. at the time. And some of them would come to the courtroom. And that's really intense when you have basically your sins being read out loud in front of a lot of people. But having the community there, we all stood outside and we prayed before we went in for that. And every time we went to a courtroom, we'd have someone from the discipleship school with us. One in particular, I'm not going to name names, but I had this brother of mine in my group. And he's like, I don't want the judge to see a different group of faces every time and think that we're almost recruiting different people to to offer support. He goes, I want him to see the same face every time and say, this person has somebody who is standing beside him consistently. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it touched me. And that guy did things for me when, when I actually went away to prison to serve my, my sentence. He came back and he would do things with the boys when I wasn't able to. And just even now I'm like fighting back tears a little bit just me because, too. It, yeah, <laughs> because so of how sweet. much he meant to, to me in that way, mm-hmm. how much love he showed to me and my family. Yeah. And that, that was a friendship so, that you had when you went through impact. So yeah. we've talked about my going yeah. through impact, but I don't remember when it was that you're like, I'm going to go through impact. It was, you came home. I came home. You actually suggested, you did suggest it. I came home after the arrest and we started talking about it and the semester had just started. And I think they missed, I would have missed the wilderness trip. And so we talked to George and George said, he said, we can let you go through impact now, or you can wait and start the next semester. We were going to go, let's go ahead and go now. And I was planning on pleading guilty. And once I pled guilty, I would go, you know, start my sentence pretty quickly after that. And so we didn't know how much time we had. And so if we're waiting, 
This is now mid-June, by the way. If we wait until September, are we even going to make it to through the first semester, which is basically September through through Christmas, at least that's what it was at the time. And so we just were trying to decide what to do. And then I don't remember if it was George's advice or somebody else's advice, but somebody said it would be best to start new. He goes, joining the group late would be mm-hmm. would not be advantageous. And so that's what we did. We said, okay, we'll wait for the beginning of the next semester. And then in our minds, we were thinking, hopefully we'll get at least one semester before I have to actually go to prison. Mm-hmm. It required some faith to wait. Yeah. And meanwhile, I got fired from my job for everything, which I deserved. It wasn't like, it wasn't unexpected. And trying to find work, trying to find an income source, we're burning through whatever savings we have. Mm-hmm. And Becky had just got done with doing impact, which had said hard to work full time while you're in right, impact I half the time. I had left everything. Yeah. So I didn't have a job. No, neither of us had a job at the time. So we were looking at each other like, we'll work on that later because mm-hmm. we're going to work through this and find the sentencing. And then once that's done, then we'll look at the job. And we kept expecting it to be six months to a year. Mm-hmm. I was on pretrial out for nearly two years. Well, I say those two years, like God gave us those two Absolutely. years to really work on the marriage for him to go through impact. He made it through the whole program wow. and God gave us those years to really start working on the marriage, uh-huh. then the time away to still work on it in that mm-hmm. area. And then when he came home, so I, those two years were a gift. There was also the moments of exasperation and fear of, we know we have this period of time out in front of us that I'm going to be away from the family. Mm-hmm. A, how long is that period going to be? Mm-hmm. And B, let's just get it started so we can get it over with. Yeah. And so there was definitely some things that we were able to do and spend time together that was that was super cool and spending time with the boys. But it was still almost like that hanging over our heads was maybe we could have even been more, I don't know what the right word is, more uh, purposeful with how we spent those two years and than we could have been, but who knows? We can always look back and do yeah. it better. No yeah. one we knew had gone through something like this, so we had mm-hmm. nothing to lean on with that. But mm-hmm. I actually was interning at Impact, and so still staying connected to community during that time was super important to have those friends walk alongside us during that process. And I always found that like when I was able to go out and serve others, it got the attention off of what I was going through and really just God really used that in my life. To, to just leave the hard thing behind for the moment, serve somebody else. And then in that, he would minister to me through that. I would go, I want to serve someone, but that I would be ministered mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. by serving someone else. Mm-hmm. That was a sweet time. It was rough. Oh, gosh, it, was, there was, it wasn't pretty. I mean, there's mm-hmm. definitely ugly times, but I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade that trial for the time with the Lord and the growth. As I, we've both talked about, we've born and raised in the church. I've done all the church things. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have... This experience to the fact that the songs I sang growing up, like I need thee every hour, my hope is in Christ alone, those type of things like really made so much more sense when you go through a trial like that. Like you cling to those words and you're like, God, yeah, this really comes alive. And Jesus is, he is mighty to save and he's going to move these mountains. And you experience that in a way that you don't before. So I wouldn't actually trade any of that we've gone through in a sense. Yeah. I mean, my arrest saved our marriage. Had I not gotten arrested, I would have gone further down that dark path that mm-hmm. I was already headed down. Mm-hmm. It was the best, worst thing that ever happened to me. I don't. I wish I could take back the things I was doing. I can't. I'm just thank the, thankful that God stopped me 
mm-hmm. and gave me a second chance with my my wife and my kids. And I just look at the timing too of like he was starting to dabble in, in that path. God's preparing me to go through impact. Yeah, I think I'm being prepared for some big, awesome ministry. Mm-hmm. Whatever I'm thinking, Beth Moore type thing. That's not at all what he was doing. He was preparing me to walk in obedience and standing by my husband. Like I knew that's what he wanted me to do. Even with all the voices around me, I knew that's what I was called to do. And it didn't make any sense to any to a lot of people, but I knew without a doubt that's what he is calling me to do, although I was kicking and screaming a lot of times about it, but I knew that's what he wanted me to do. I was to stand next to Peter because he was working in Peter, and I knew that. That concludes part one of this two-part episode, and we hope you join us next Tuesday for the conclusion of this awesome testimony. Thanks again, and have a great week.